Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the Writerflex podcast, we have guest Kim Gomez. She's the co-founder and CEO at Mi Padrino, an event planning service to help parents and families organize, plan, and fund events celebrated in the Hispanic tradition. They help you organize and share the details of your events with friends and family around the globe instantly. Kim Gomez on the Rider Flex podcast. How are you doing, Kim? I am great. How are you? I'm awesome. Are you in, uh, I'm, uh, are you in Michigan today? We are, yes, I am in Michigan, and for once it's not snowing. It snowed over the weekend again. Are you serious? It. Are you serious? No, is, that, oh, is that the I'm last not. one? Is that the last one? Oh, it should have been. It should have been. <laughs> this should have been in February. So, yeah, hopefully it's the last one. Now, if you, where you live, what part of Michigan, by the way? So, we're right outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. So, when is it safe? Like, if you put annual flowers in your front yard, like, what's your, what's your, like, is like Mother's Day weekend normally the safe? Yes, Mother's Day weekend, even though it snowed on Mother's Day weekend, but it was Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> same for Colorado. I'm in Colorado, and we always kind of target Mother's Day weekend. It's the same thing. We got a little cold spell, uh, and I was like, oh, man. And so we actually need to put our flowers. We, we actually need to plant. Now we're, now we're a week behind. It's <laughs> <That's> all right. <laughs> uh, so is that where you grew up? Michigan, are you from there? Yeah, born and raised. Yeah, born and raised in Michigan. Um, met my husband here, but he's not from Michigan. He's in, from Mexico. Well, tell, tell us about your, your growing up and give us some personal stuff. Tell us about your childhood and your family a little bit. Yes, I was um, actually raised by entrepreneurs. My parents owned one of the biggest real estate firms in our town. Um, so uh -huh. I was raised putting, you know, open house flyers on doors and, you know, like child labor laws obviously weren't a thing back then. <laughs> <laughs> My dad had us licking envelopes and everything else. Great. Um, awesome. Was raised, you know, I have two brothers. I was actually born with a twin sister, so I always felt she died um, when we were babies. But I have always felt this, um, like that I was given this chance, you know, that she didn't have in life. And so I've always kind of been this overachiever. I don't know why, if it's stemmed from that, just um, you only have one life, you know, so you better, you know, make the most of it. But mm -mm. yeah, just there. Um, was raised in Napoleon. Um, so it's this little farm town. I graduated with like 80 people in my class. Um, super proud actually that's where we live now and my kids have some of the same teachers I had when I was really growing up. really oh that's pretty cool <laughs> that's pretty cool okay so you see the same teachers how old are your kids so I have five kids um, wow. I, <laughs> I know um, wow. so my oldest is 17 um, and then my youngest is two so and I have every age in between man it's busy at your house it's yeah, busy. very busy. <laughs> and so when they're involved in activities and stuff in school, like you see some of the same teachers, the same coaches or whatever, like you go to the, you go to school events, you're like, Hey. Yeah. And I can't call them by their first name. They're like, Hey, Hey, can't like, and he's like, call me Craig. And I'm like, no, Mr. Boer. I have to call you Mr. Boer. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty funny. That's pretty good. Yeah. Wow. So same area. Okay. 
All right. So, so your parents were entrepreneurs, um, oh, by the way, real estate, uh, residential real estate or commercial or both, or what, what were they in? Both. So my dad was kind of like the big commercial realtor in town, but they owned their own um, real estate company. So he had, okay. you know, re residential, you know, real estate agents that work for him. I see. All right. So like you said, I can just envision you like running up to the yard to put the, put the flyers in the, in the little box. Like that was mm -hmm. probably one of your, one of your jobs. <laughs> yeah. Every weekend. I mean, he had us going like neighborhoods for open houses. Yeah. We were his little, yeah. <laughs> workforce. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. So then you graduate from that big, huge high school and, <laughs> and then what you, how'd you decide to, you know, when you went to school, how did you decide on, uh, I think you started at Jackson Community College first. Mm -hmm. How did you decide that? How did you decide what to major in? Walk us through some of that. Yeah, so I actually didn't, I started in Jackson College when I was in high school, actually. I was able okay. to take some classes there, but then I always okay. wanted to do hair. And so I went to beauty school right after, right out of high school. Um, oh. But almost, you know, all the way through the program, I realized that I didn't want to work in a salon for someone else that I actually wanted to own my own business or my own okay. salon. Yeah. So from there, um, enrolled in business school. And that's actually when I had met my husband, my now husband. I was his English tutor. So he had been, when he was in Mexico, he wanted to be a doctor and he was in medical school and actually his family ran out of money to send him through school. And so he okay. moved to the States. He was working um, to get back into college, and that's how I met him. It was like my part-time job. <laughs> what were you? So you were do you were doing this on the side? You were you were English tutor on the side? Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, I, I, it wasn't actually I wasn't like a licensed tutor. I mean, it was like he thought I was hot. He wanted to learn English. I thought he was cute, and I was like, I can teach you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how, how did you even connect? Were you at like a party or whatever? And he's like, Hey, can you teach me English? Like, how'd that even happen? Totally at a party. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see now. I can just almost see it. He's like, hmm, I wonder what my pickup line could be. Let me think for a second. I know. I'll tell her that I need to learn English and that'll get a good fit. That's perfect pickup line. I love it. So, yeah, but I actually, I made him, I would go over there like every night and I made him pay me. Like I was like, I need the money. You're going to pay me to your tutor. So good. I, I love that. That's a good story. Very cool. All right. All right. So you've been married for a long time. How long have you been married? Um, 18 years. 18 years. All right. And five kids at your house. All right. All right. Very yeah. cool. All right. So you meet this guy with this classic pickup line. All right. You get married. You finished school. You thought you wanted to do hair. Go ahead. Walk us into that early career. Okay. So um, actually my, so my parents again with a commercial real estate company, okay. Okay. when my dad met my husband, you know, he's asking about like his dreams and everything. And my husband had always told him that his family's dream was to own a restaurant. And so uh -huh. There was a local restaurant that was put up for sale. My dad said, you can get a great deal on this restaurant, but we're like in the middle of school. And so we ended up both dropping out or he actually never even enrolled, but I dropped out of school. We opened a restaurant. Mind you, I was 20 years old. Did your dad, your, 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 your parents fronted the cash for it or whatever? How'd that work? No, it was a land contract. It was a land oh, contract. Wow. So All right. I was 20, just had gotten married, a baby, baby getting married. I can't believe my parents even like, we're okay with that. 20, getting married. I was married, just gotten pregnant with my, with our oldest. And then um, we opened our first restaurant. Okay. And did you know in the state of Michigan, you can sell liquor at 18. You can't consume it. But so I had a liquor license in my name at 20. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me get this. Let me, let me just think for a second. You're 20 years old. You're pregnant. You have absolutely zero restaurant experience. <laughs> I waited tables. 
through okay. high school. So okay. I had all right, that. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. That. All right. This is up. <laughs> So you're buying, you're starting a business that has traditionally like what restaurant ownership is like, what, a 90% failure rate or something like a super oh, high thing. It's like 95. I don't know. I have no, I don't, I wasn't thinking, obviously I was a, a child. What, okay. What was the plan? What was the plan? Were you like, Hey, uh, I'm going to, how were you going to split up the duties with you and your husband? What was the plan? Talk to he me was, about it. He yeah. was in the back of the house and I was in the okay. front of the house. I did all, right. all of, I was going to do the marketing. I was going to have the servers, the bartenders. Um, at the time, Coyote Ugly was really popular. So okay. our restaurant, he always wanted to have a restaurant called El Vaquero Loco, which means the crazy cowboy. Uh-huh. And I thought in our town, nobody can pronounce that. And so I'm like, let's just call it the crazy cowboy. And then at yeah. the bottom, I had the Spanish translation. And Sweet. we had both Mexican and American food. I had the girls up on the tables, like like hour long. Oh I mean, God. I went all out and we were so successful. Our, well, we were the whole time, the 17 years we owned the restaurant, but at the very beginning we would run out of food multiple times a day. So we'd have to close the doors. We put, I would just put a note up. We ran out of rice and beans. Please come back Are in two hours. Sh- wow. We appreciate the business and thank God for those customers that just kept coming back, even though we were out of stuff. <laughs> what a learning experience. I mean, everything from the, all the entrepreneurial lessons, all of the people management lessons, Oh my God, that was like an MBA. That's like a getting your doctorate right there, just in entrepreneurship, right? Right. 18 years. That's a lot. Hey, first of all, kudos. Anybody that owns an eight a restaurant for 18 years and, and makes money, mm-hmm. that's a small, by the way, that's a small group of people. Uh, congrats. So what'd you do? Why, why'd you stop? Well, selling tacos was good to us. So, um, over the years in the, you know, over the past 18 years, we've invested, you know, did we say taco money into, we had another restaurant and a banquet facility. Okay. We also took after my parents, we own 64 rental units now. Um, so we've been investing the money that we've made into other opportunities for our family. And then, um, it was in 2016, I had an idea, you know, for a new company and we decided to, you know, sell the one restaurant and banquet facility and start this new company. And then it was just, sorry, go ahead. Did you you sell it because you wanted to use that cash to start the new one or because it was just too much and you couldn't do it all or both? Both. I mean, we're, we were, we owned restaurants and we were landlords. And so one, those two jobs are like on the top 10 of like the jobs that most people would (laughs) never do in their lifetime. And we did both of them. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I could not, I, there was just not enough time. And at the time I had had, we had four kids. And so, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, right, I, let's, I was... let's just let's just take a pause right there just for the listeners okay let's all just breathe for a second i got four kids i got like 24 rental units i got two restaurants i mean pff, i don't even know how you did that i mean wow Six, 64 rental units 64 <laughs> okay yeah i would have i would have i would have sold something too all right so you sell the you got the one the other the second restaurant and the bank facility we sold. okay okay now how'd you come up with this business idea which is me padrino right right how did how did this tell us how this even came about oh i know let me guess in your spare time you were like hmm i wonder what other business i can start no so I love problem solving. And I did that at the restaurants, you know, I would see an opportunity, we'd go after it. And that's why, you know, we'd been successful for so many years. And so I was actually at home. um, And my husband's from Mexico. And so there's always a good fiesta for everything. 
you know, for whether it's your, you know, weddings or just over the top, same thing with quinceaneras or when you turn 15, your event's just huge. Even if it's a graduation or a baptism, just amazingly. Just going to events, going to events all the time. Yep. All the time. And they're always over the top. Yep. So my niece yep. actually asked us to be, she was in Mexico and she called and asked us if we'd be padrinos for her quinceanera. And okay. so a padrino, if you're not familiar, is um, a Spanish term for godfather for sponsor. And it's- I, lo- I, looked, at, I looked it up before the podcast. <laughs> You did. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. definitely people that pay for your party. Yep. And so like yep. your friends and family will pay for like the cake or the bar or the band or what have you. Yep. And so she's had reached out for Mexico and said, you know, the abuela, so which you, means like aunt Blondie, I'm the widow. I'm the aunt. <laughs> <Wera>. and, <laughs> like, will you be the madrina, which is the female version of padrino for the pillow for the church? And well, cause they have a kneeling pillow at the quinceanera. And I was like, sure, I'll do the pillow. Okay. And then it turned into like what color pillow she needed and like, how was I going to get it to her? And then, well, you know, never mind. I'll just send you the money, but now she's in Mexico. So we have to wire transfer and it just turned into this huge process. Mm-hmm. And so I remember looking at my husband and I'm like, I wish she just had like her list of things that she wanted from her padrinos online and that I could just put in my credit card and she could get whatever the heck she wanted. And yeah. he's like, that would be awesome. And so that yes. literally was the day that like the light bulb turned on. Um, and then just, you know, I've always like with the family and even at our own business planning events. And I thought, probably like, how are all these events still planned offline when it came to even the products or right. the service vendors, like DJs, bakeries, venues, like if you want something for your quinceanera, you literally have to use word of mouth. And then, um, Padrinos are all organized offline. I thought there's just a huge business model that could be created. And then I did a little bit of research and I found out that there were hundreds of thousands of these events celebrated every year in the US. And I'm I like, believe it. I Holy believe it. Shit. I mean, I don't know if I can say that, but yeah. <laughs> like, there's such a huge opportunity yeah. for us. It's way more than slinging tacos in Jackson. So <laughs> that's kind of where the, the whole thing started. So. And then when you, and then when you looked online, I'm sure you looked to see if anybody was doing it, probably tried to say, okay, what, what, what are there, anybody else got this going on? Nobody, nothing like this out there. Wow. Well, now, okay. So isn't this a play off of, or, or similar to like, um, like if you're going to have a, a kid or you're going to have a baby shower or you're going to have a wedding, aren't there uh, websites you go to where you can just say, yeah, everybody go here and this is these are the gifts I want. I can't remember what they are, but aren't there. So it's a registry. So like you're talking about like a, a party yeah, registry or a gift yeah, registry. Yeah, right. So right. yeah, there are like huge players in the wedding space. So oh, okay. there's the Na okay. and Wedding Wire. They're like, they do over a hundred million dollars a year in the wedding space. Okay. Um, giants, but they're talking to like the all American bride. They're talking to everyone. They're not specifically talking to one type of bride. Okay. And so the Hispanic bride won a Hispanic wedding ceremony is very different than a traditional kind of like all American wedding ceremony. Okay. You know, you have okay. there's different traditional components. Also the vendors are different. Typically you have a DJ that speaks Spanish, a photographer that understands the culture, a venue that, you know, gets it. Um, yeah. And so there just wasn't really a big player that was tackling Hispanic okay. weddings. And there definitely wasn't anybody talking about the other traditional events. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. So you saw an opportunity just like you've been doing the whole time with the restaurants <laughs> and everything else. So then what you go home one night and uh, you tell your husband, you're like, Hey, I got, I think, I think we're going to start something else. How did that conversation go? At first was he like, what are you crazy? Like we're busy right now. <laughs> oh no, he knows I'm crazy. I mean, he knows 
And I was always looking for that like next idea. I, okay. I always said I had like a million, million dollar ideas. Right. And I'd always say like, I'm going to throw this against the wall. It's like, you know, throw shit against the wall. Something will stick. Yeah. Yep. And so I'd always call my mom with them too. Like, mom, I got an idea. You know, I had all kinds of random stuff. And this <laughs> one just kept like circling back. Like this could it. be the one. And so, yeah, I just said, you know, Let's do it. What if I just start talking to people? And I ended up um, participating in a boot camp where basically it takes an idea to see if it actually could be a business. Okay. Um, I enrolled in an accelerator. Well, it was a part of an accelerator, but there was just the boot camp section of it. It was a month okay. long. Um, okay. Found out that thousands of people would use this platform if I built it. And so that's really kind of where it started. And yeah. And then you, and, and then you, how'd you decide on the name, by the way? I mean, it, it, fits, I mean it's, it fits, it fits obviously, but I just, yeah. How'd you, yeah. It's, so it's me Padrino. Like, so, um, you know, you, you rely on your Padrino or your Madrina for a lot of things, not just to help you pay for your party. I mean, that's just kind mm -hmm. of a fun mm -hmm. extra. I mean, you rely on them to help give you advice or to, you know, be there. And so that's what really what me Padrino is. We're there for you to help, whether it's to find a product, to find a service vendor, to give you the tips, to give you guidance, to be here if you're crying because your party was canceled for, because of COVID-19. I mean, we are want to be that for our users. So let's do that. Let's, let's start, let's, let's do a nice uh, kind of just give us a, you, you touched on it right there, but give us the me Padrino overview from start to finish as it stands today. Give us the, give us the, uh, I'm sure you've done plenty of uh, pitches at this point, right? <laughs> I have. I have. G give us the five minute elevator pitch real quick. Go for it. Yeah. So, um, Meet Padrino, we're an online and mobile application that makes the planning and paying for Hispanic celebrations easy and effective. The old way, like I mentioned before, it took weeks, months, even years to organize. Where Meet Padrino users can come and find ideas and inspiration. They can find traditional products. They can book for their local service vendors, you know, within our matter of minutes. Um, we went from an idea, like I told you, 2016, to that first year, within the first six months, we had over 50,000 people use Mi Padrino. Last year alone, we had just over 900,000 people use the, the platform. And that's wow. within two years. Wow. And so, yeah, so that's, and we make money a couple different ways, but yeah, that's my like 60 second talk, pitch. <laughs> talk, talk, to, talk to us about the business model. I'm curious. Mm -hmm. So, so do the users pay or do, do the vendors pay? Like walk us through the business model. Go ahead. Right. So um, when we first launched um, Mi Padrino, well, we learned right away after we launched that we should be focusing on user growth and retention. Because if okay. you look like companies like Yelp or even the Wedding Wire and the, and the Knot, or even, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the company House, that you can find like, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But they all <laughs> focused on user growth and retention first and then monetization second. So it's really, okay. if we have all of these users, the vendors will pay to be on the platform. National advertisers will pay to have partnerships with us. There'll be lots of ways that we can make money. Okay. Um, and so we did that, but that took a lot of capital. And so, um, but as in, as of January, now we have ways now because we've hit that like million user mark. Um, we now have, we're rolling out like an ad platform for national advertisers. So we're working with a couple of national advertisers uh. who want to talk to the Hispanic, you know, woman or daughter um, tip because the majority of our users are females. Mm -hmm. um, we also have um, our vendor platform. So local service vendors, like I mentioned before, like the DJs, uh, bakeries, venues can advertise a monthly subscription model to be on the site. So when we, you know, we know we have so many people in Denver, Colorado, 
um, and we recommend those service vendors to those users. And, so and if I'm and if I'm a if I'm a user, I'm like, oh, I want to pick my uh, you know my chef, my chef, or the person who's going to bring the food. I click through the vendors that you have up, and and you've said, hey, these five people right here are awesome. Mm -hmm. Pick pick one of these. That's how that works. Yeah, we don't necessarily say they're awesome. We say these vendors are available in your area that want customers like yours, like you. I see. Because right now you can't just go to Google and say. I'm having a quinceanera in X city. What, like, I need a <laughs> photographer. You won't find them. That's where the whole business, that's why Mi Padrino works because there wasn't a source. There wasn't this directory of companies that, that could advertise to I get see. this type of clientele. I see. And so the vendors pay you when they get picked or they pay you just to be on there or both. It's a, it's a monthly subscription. So they okay. pay and whether they get 10 new customers a month or they pay the same if they get 100 leads a month it's just I see, this, I see. Uh, the same amount of money every month it's a, a subscription and how and about we, go ahead no i was just going to say then we also have our shop so it's an e-commerce platform oh. so our users can go shop traditional goods but then we don't carry any inventory right, um, yeah. at oh, our home office yeah, yeah. they're drop shipped from our wholesale relationships and they're perfect some perfect. are in texas california some are even in mexico and when they get the order, the order comes in, they send directly to our customer, which is great. So the, so the business model now is you got your vendors paying you and you're selling products mm -hmm. and the users, what do the users do? Uh, are they paying a monthly subscription or per, per event or what are they doing? No, they're providing leads to our vendors, which our vendors are paying for. Gotcha. They're paying, they're buying products. So we're able to give our products at a discounted rate because we're not carrying any inventory. So we don't have the overhead of a retail location. Um, so they're getting a great price on the product. And they also are creating these eyeballs that the national advertisers want. And so our users don't pay us anything, but they wow. are the core you know, component of our business. Is that the model you envisioned in the beginning or that you pivoted to that and made some changes as you moved along? Honestly, the first um, platform that we built was the crowdfunding component. So the Padrino, piece of Mi Padrino. Okay. So our users can create an event page that has all their party details. And then they can say, I want these things for my party. And then their Padrinos can contribute right online or pay for the different pieces. Remember okay. my niece that I was talking about? Mm -hmm. Basically, she could have created a page and then shared it with me. And I could have been like, I want the pillow. Cha-ching, done. So that's the only piece that we launched with. But then we soon realized that there was really no um, resource for ideas and inspiration for vendors, all of that. So then we just built it all in. Wow. Very good. Excellent story for the listeners that are aspiring entrepreneurs on how you can just make changes and pivot. You know, everybody thinks you got to have this perfect plan in the beginning before you start. And then you just follow that perfect plan and it all comes together. It, it never goes that way. Never. Like no entrepreneur I ever talked to, they always like make little tweaks and changes and, oh, we should do this. We should do that. So I appreciate you, share, you, you sharing some of that. So, so, and you've been in business for how long? Um, so it's been, we started three years ago, but we launched just like two and a half years ago. And how many employees now? I have a lot. Well, I just, because of COVID, we had actually had to let two employees go because oh, okay. it is what it is. The company yeah, itself it was thriving, but we're cash dependent on investors and investors are scared to do really anything right now. And so I wanted to make sure that we were in this for the long term. So I had actually had to let a couple employees go, which is unfortunate. Let, so now we're down to nine employees. Let's start. Let's talk about the cash stuff. So you bootstrapped it. I'm guessing you bootstrapped it yourself in the beginning. And then you eventually went out to raise outside cash. How, 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 when did you start doing that? And, and how many, how many times have you had to raise and where are you at in, in fundraising? Give mm -hmm. us an overview. 
well, I never wanted this to be a small business. And I yeah. say this in my pitch and I mean it with all of my heart. My end goal is the same as my investors. I want to grow Meat by the Dino as fast, but as smart as possible to be attractive to the numerous brands that want a piece of our demographic. Okay. And so with that being said, I invested the first money because I also don't want to take money if I can't give it back. I want, And I don't want to just give you back your money. I want to give you back a multiple on your money. And so we invested the first cash. Um, into the company, but then I did a friends and family round, just local, my f actual friends and family. Um, and then from there, I won, I pitched Mi Padrino um, in 2018 and won $100,000 at Accelerate Michigan. Um, what? What? It was like, crazy. What is that, like Like contest money, like grant money, like just here you go? <laughs> no, so Michigan has this amazing program, it's called Accelerate Michigan, and they give over a million dollars of prize money, not away, this part of it, some of it's investment, some of it's grant. So our, our 100,000, 25 was a grant and 75 was an investment, but it was under the current terms of whatever round I was raising. So it wasn't I like see. I didn't negotiate a new deal um, okay. and it was great. So, and um, I, you know, at the time I was actually, so remember I told you I had five kids. So yeah. I had four children when I had the idea for me by the Nino. And I was actually scheduled to get a tubal, so I couldn't have any more babies. Okay. And I was going in to get the blood work done like the week before the operation. They said, Kim, we have to reschedule this. And I'm like, why? They go, because you're pregnant. And I thought my life was over. We had just sold the restaurant. We had just launched, or we had just like put our money into the development team to build what is now Mi Padrino. And I thought, I have to go pitch my company with a big baby bump. And they're going to look at me just like you did, like five kids. And I, so... <laughs> So it was like life was over. So I immediately knew that I had to talk to investors that would get, that wouldn't look at my stomach, would just hear my pitch and see the opportunity with the company. <laughs> so I flew, um, I actually got picked to pitch at Chloe Capital in upstate New York. Um, and I had just had my daughter. She was not even two weeks old. I took my mom and the baby on the plane, pitched at this event and ended up winning first place and won a $50,000 investment from them. Oh, cool. <laughs> And then I came home and won a hundred thousand dollars of that so <laughs> Michigan, like shoot, like that last that next week. But I say that because we only had like six thousand dollars in the bank when that. What happened. really? Oh, because so, you had spent all of it on development and setup and all the pre work. Yes. Okay. Is that so? The major expense was paying developers to code and build all this back end and front end stuff. I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I had contracted employees and I've actually hired the majority of my contracted employees on full time. So it's great. So all my employees that I have now have actually been with us since the very beginning. But it was I just see. a lot of money up front and we made a lot of mistakes. I mean, and so we had to redo a lot of things. I mean, it's all part of growing the company. I mean, so we launched Me Padrino and we wanted, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we had yeah. a, um, this goal for, two, for 2017 of having 600 users. And so we launched in the summer and I said, like, how are we going to get these users? Like, it's built. What are we going to do now? We launched a Facebook marketing campaign, put $400 behind it. We had 20,000 hits to our site that night and it crashed our platform because I thought <laughs> we just need 600 people and we had 20,000 people hit me by the Nino. And so we just weren't ready. I mean, and things broke. And so we had to fix and it was just crazy. But I mean, now we're built to scale, but yes, it was, it was a very long first year and being pregnant and pitching with a belly. It was great. <laughs> You so you now you got down to six thousand dollars. I mean that's a, that's a true story. So you're you're. I mean, was there some sleepless nights in there where you're laying in bed going, "Oh my God, what what did we do? Why did we sell the restaurant? Why did we pour all this money into these developers?" I'm sure there was some of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it. I mean, it was just. Uh, but I was. I just knew I had such a great idea because the platform was 
that we had so many users and we knew that there was this demand. And so mm -hmm. I just had to pitch in front of the right investors. That did, did, you also that. did you also have, did you also have some early investors that were starting to apply pressure? Did you have any of that where they're calling you going, hey man, where's my money? <laughs> no, because all of my investors are in it the same way I am. We're in it for okay. the long term for that okay. big payout at the end. So nobody, I, I wouldn't have taken your money if you wanted it right away. We're in this yeah, together yeah. for the Good. paycheck at the end. Good, 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 good. Now are you, how much can you share? Are you cash flow positive? Are you still in a burn rate and having to bring on cash? I think you actually said you're dependent on investors. So mm -hmm. are you still in the growth burn rate or, you, or are you producing a profit? Can you talk, how much can you yeah. give us? I mean, I can't, I won't be able to tell you exact numbers, but I can tell you we just started monetizing the platform in January. And okay. so in Q1, so January, February, March, we crushed our goals as far as monetization. So it was really exciting. It's like, okay, guys, it's been this like, can Finally. we do this? Yeah. And we're doing it. Then COVID happened. <sighs> so, or the Rona or whatever the cool kids say yeah. on the street. And, and, and then you're like, <laughs> You're like, oh my God, we finally got this thing going for revenue and now this happens. <laughs> yeah. And so if you think about it, you know, the, with the coronavirus, it's killed the event industry. Oh yeah. Oh, people it. don't know when they can plan events. Yeah. People yeah. like are like, you know, having to cancel events. Vendors don't have any money because they're out of business until, you know, things are lifted. And so, yeah, it was a, it's been a really scary time for the company. But with that what? being said, yeah. Yeah. like parties are still going to happen. So people like our... And families are home. And so what's a good distraction is planning an amazing fiesta. And so we have like our business is actually thriving in this time. Like we have users home planning their like, you know, Sweet. crazy celebrations. Right. But like I said, we are, you know, dependent on investment. And I was right in the middle of raising our um, seed round. And so we were ha we had actually closed half of it. So we have cash in the bank. Um, but I wanted to make sure that that lasted us, you know, as long as the full amount that we were raising. So I have a feeling, I mean, if I was an investor looking at your company, I think, first of all, I think it's going to explode. I think, I think there is so much pent up demand for events and gathering as human beings and getting together and socializing. I personally, by the way, for the, for the listeners, we're recording this episode on May 13th, 2020. And so my personal opinion is that there's pent up demand and people are just going to explode and you're, and you're about to be hit with all kinds of events that people have been stalling on and you're about to be crushed and crazy busy. I, I think that's right. what's going to, I, I think it's just going to, the, the gates are going to lift and it's going to explode. Now I've had, I don't want to get into a whole Corona thing, but I've, I've had other people tell me, Oh no, I think it's going to start slow and people are going to be careful. I'm just telling you, I'm recording this on May 13th and Steve Urban's making a prediction. I think it's going to go nuts. I think they're going to lift the gates. I think bars are going to be full. I think restaurants are going to be full. I think you're going to be crazy busy. I'll give you a perfect example of one of the reasons I think that my wife works for TJ Maxx and she was off for a long time. The very first day they opened, mm -hmm. guess, guess what? They were slammed. They, oh, I'm they, sure. were, they were fighting people that wanted to get in. I think it's going to happen that way for other businesses. I think it's going to happen that way for your business. I think you're going to be, super, super busy. So if you are an investor looking at me, Pedrino, like you might want to invest now because whatever Kim is charging you per unit to invest, it's probably going to go up in about six months. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And you know, it's, 
It's crazy. I mean, so I, I didn't, I skipped over this part of the story. I don't know why. Cause it's like the best part. So remember those, the wedding giants, wedding wire and the knot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they actually merged as one company. So now it's called the knot worldwide. Okay. But in yeah, 2018 right, right. before their merger, the knot actually invested in me Padrino. And so Whoa. now the knot worldwide is an investor of ours. And so uh, they, they've been able to show how even in the wedding industry with nine 11 and, um, you know, the market crash that it doesn't only come back, it comes back with a vengeance. I mean, the market is Absolutely. great. And so, yes. um, yep. you yep. know, with them as investors, it's just been amazing. And so, yeah. are they, uh, are you looking at them as uh, somebody that could acquire you guys? I mean, is that your, is that your exit partner or what are you, what are you thinking? No, I mean, there's lots of companies that could potentially want us. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, maybe Pepsi wants to own a company <laughs> where that has a huge database of Hispanic families, you know, yeah, or yeah, yeah. whether it be, Amazon or Walmart or the not. I mean, there's lots of companies. I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket, but I don't think they made the investment for fun. So it's just exciting right. to kind of see where that turns out. If anything, they've been just a great resource for us this far. This far. You know, I totally, res I just have so much respect for Hispanic families and the way they gather with events and the way they, they honor and make family a priority. It, they just, oh, I, I live, I live in Northern Colorado. And I don't know what our breakdown here is, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of all the different races. I couldn't tell you, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe Hispanics in Colorado or in my town or I really have no idea. So I shouldn't be quoting numbers, but maybe it's 30%. I don't know. But they just do. I mean, you're right. Every event, they, they really prioritize family and they celebrate things that, that my family never did. And I just so respect that. And I have really good friends. Uh, and, you know, some of them live right here in my neighborhood and like across the street, I'll be like, damn, they're having another event. Like, damn, they're always getting together. Like they just mm -hmm. do so much better than I do. And then I'll tell my wife, I'm like, how come our kids don't come over for more things? Why don't we get together more often? Right. <laughs> so I, I think it's a fantastic platform to serve that community. Uh, really. Right. I mean, great, like you said, great idea from the beginning. Wow. Okay. So, so, I think now moving forward, yeah, I think you're going to get you're so you are raising the seat. You're in the middle of the seed round still. Are you having those conversations or are you kind of paused? Yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, that's okay, why I was, yeah, I was good. at Rocky venture clubs right. event on March 11th. <laughs> so right. that's, that's why we're there. That's how I met Kim at Rocky's mm -hmm. venture club event. Yep. In, in Denver. Um, wasn't that crazy. That was right before the coronavirus and everybody, everybody was, was like doing like the elbow thing. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just, that's weird, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was good. It was a really good event. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm so glad we met you there. All right. So let's do this now. Let me ask you a couple of questions around advice for entrepreneurs. I mean, you've really, I mean, basically you've been an entrepreneur your whole life. I mean, pretty much right. Yeah. Your family, your family's in the, in the business. You've been doing this. You've been taking risks since you were 20. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. If, if there's some aspiring entrepreneurs out there listening right now, and they're thinking about, they're thinking about buying that restaurant or they have an idea for a website business of some kind, but they're scared or a little bit nervous. They haven't, you haven't jumped in the water yet. But what would you tell them? Well, there's a couple things. So I, uh, mind you, I've never done an interview in my life. Like, not in my life, but in my adult life. I've never worked for anyone else. So, except for my McDonald's job and wherever else. So <laughs> if you want to go home 
at five o'clock or four o'clock and not have to think about work, do not become an entrepreneur. Right. So being Good an entrepreneur, advice. there's no set hours. You are working all day, every day. That means seven days a week. Whether you're at work, thinking about work, worrying about work, trying to come up with a solution for work. I mean, so it true. is. And if you can't do that, then being an entrepreneur is not for you. You should work for another company. And, you know, because obviously great, you know, there's great employees. I have the most amazing employees and thank God they are not entrepreneurs because I need them on my team. Um, yeah. But don't wait until your idea is perfect. Test it out small. So like Very if you nice. want to open a restaurant, maybe do a food truck or maybe do something that you don't have to like put your house as like collateral and see if you actually like the grind of the crazy hours of a restaurant. If you want to do a, you know, a software or an app, like maybe build it as cheap as possible and just see if somebody will use it. And if they do get feedback on it and then build on that, don't go out and raise And plus, like, I don't know, people make it sound like you can raise money on just an idea on a napkin. And <laughs> yeah. In my world, that doesn't happen. It's <laughs> yeah, it's not realistic. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't know if it's a female founder in the middle of the Midwest, but it just does not happen. Yeah. yeah. So just try to build things or try to start small with whatever ideas and make sure that one, you still love it. That like, I have crazy hours now. I mean, I live, breathe, dream about me by the, you know, I wake up speaking Spanish in my dreams talking about la, la, no sé qué. <laughs> and so I'm, but I love it. I love my job. And so if you do that, then you should be an entrepreneur. And even if you fail, then you know, you can like, like, even if let's say, God forbid me by the Nino fails, I will totally do this again yep. because it, I love it. So. Yeah. yeah. You're hooked. Yeah. You're hooked. Yeah. Hooked. Two, two, two awesome pieces of advice that I want to summarize there that Kim just gave. The first one is yeah. Entrepreneurship. It's just not for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I don't care how hard you think you're working as an employee just double down on that. If you're going to try to start a business, you will just work your ass off 24 seven. It is nonstop. And so I've always said the way I say it is being an employee is easy. <laughs> you want to do something hard, try to be an entrepreneur because you will just, uh, it's really hard to explain if you haven't, if you haven't done it, it's really hard to explain to people just how many hours you will put in and how difficult it really is. The other thing I would say there, just to add on to what you were saying, if you're, if you're scared enough not to try, don't do it. <laughs> Cause, because if you can't even get past that, you sure as hell aren't going to get past all the hurdles once you start. <laughs> mm -hmm. I almost, it's almost like you have to be like, have like a gambling spirit. A you little know? bit. Like you have to be able to like be that risk taker. Yes. You also have to be able to pay your employees and not yourself. Like yes. not, and it's not because at the beginning, yes, I wanted to like hire this, the workout and oh, I could wait for a paycheck. No, mm -hmm. there's sometimes mm -hmm. even now that I need to make sure that the bills are paid. So I'm yep. going to cut my salary or I'm not going to pay myself just to make sure that because employees always get a check. The owners don't always get a check. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, and I can just uh, confirm that by telling the listeners right now, even at Riderflex, uh, there are several people making a lot more money than I'm making <laughs> because mm -hmm. you have to, you have to build the business and you have to put the money back. You have to put the cash back into the business and take care of your employees so that you can scale the business up. Yep. Um, really, so really, really good advice. And, and I also agree with what you said, you know, start, start something, you know, whether it's a social media page or I don't know, maybe you want to sell pies or something. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Put up a Facebook page, a, 
about your pies and see if strangers will actually give you cash for a pie and then get some followers and then go from there. Right. I totally agree. Start small, see if you actually have, have something and then, and then go from there and don't wait for the perfect plan. But also dream big, dream big. Sure. Sure. But you know, don't like wait, make pies don't... at home, but think about like, if this really succeeds, I right. could do that. <laughs> I could do that. Totally agree. Um, so now at, the, at this stage in your life, 17 year old to a two year old, right? Is that what you said? Yep. Is the two is two year old potty trained right there? Where are you at with that? Oh God, no. Not yet. Not two and yet. a half. And she was like nursing and talking at two still. And I was like, oh my God, child, like I've had enough of this whole stage. <laughs> You need to be like on your own and body drink, but no. Uh, right, because now you just hit another nerve. You're actually still changing diapers, trying to do all this stuff you're doing. Whew, man, I don't know. You, your energy level is super high, and your work ethic super high. You get that from your mom and dad. I get. Oh, by the way, which parent has the uh, the personality that you have? Who's that? Who's the extrovert? So they they both are. So my my dad's actually passed. My dad passed away okay. like okay. five years ago. Yep, okay. but um. My dad was always the kind of gambler, you know, as far as like the thinking big, but my mom always made sure she was always the hands that held everything together. So my mom did the books and like made sure the budgets were on and, you know, kind of the marketing side. And then my dad was the salesman. My dad was out there doing his thing. So I, you know, I'm, I say, and my mom was an amazing mom. My mom was the one that made sure she was at all our ball games. My mom was to make sure that, you know, that she was the cool mom with all the kids. And so I'm like, I, my kid told me the day he's like, mom, my friends think you're like so cool. I'm like, cause I am. <laughs> <laughs> so i think i'm a little bit both like the most i told but, i always tell him i'm like i'm 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 like i'm not old really enough to be your mom like i don't know how to do this mom thing so i'm learning <laughs> with you, buddy. by the way there's one little thing that uh, i think is a positive we were we were scaring aspiring entrepreneurs with some of our speech but i will give you a positive and a plus mm -hmm. if you are running your own business and you are an entrepreneur while it is very difficult there are those times where you can also say you know what my son has a baseball game today at 3 p.m. and I'm going and I don't have to ask anybody. <laughs> yep. No, I think being an entrepreneur is so rewarding. Yes. Because yes. it's like, and like, I love every, my life must sound like chaos, but I love my job and I love my kids and I love That's my family. Awesome. And so it doesn't seem like chaos. It's so amazing every day. I'm like living literally the dream and you can't, you, I don't know if you can always say that if you're working for someone else. That's so, right. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Well, a couple more questions, just right, wrapping up here. If you had to, if you had to talk to that young lady that was coming out of college and thought she wanted to do hair for a living, mm -hmm. if you could call her and go back in time and call her right now at your age now, what would you tell her? I don't know. I feel like there's some things I wish I would have, wouldn't have done in my life, but I'm so glad I did because I learned so much from them. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. I might've said, you know, Kim, I, I always joke about this and I always say, Kim, wear a condom. Cause somebody else asked me that. <laughs> so you don't have <laughs> five kids like Kim, like you said, sorry, that like TMI. I don't care. I, I think it's funny. So, but no, but like, I would, I don't know. I couldn't imagine my life without five kids, you know? And so, um, Maybe I don't wait, know. I just maybe, maybe waited a little, a year, another year or two. No, because I was crazy and foolish and didn't know any better than to listen to my gut and listen to my customers and treat my employees with respect because we are all the same age. 
Uh, I never, I wasn't really their boss. And so I do that now. I'm an equal with my employees. I, you know, I don't, I never have treated any, in the 17 years I've owned businesses, I don't think I've ever acted like someone's boss. Like they don't have to feel like, you know, tension when I walk in the room or that God forbid Kim's going to yell at me for something. No, I'm your equal. We're here. We're in this together. And so if you succeed, I succeed and vice versa. And so I don't know. I mean, there's lots of things that I guess some smaller things, but just dream big, dream big for it. Mm-hmm. By the way, on, on your employees, and we did, I should have touched on that more during the interview. If you, if you do enough research on Kim and you look up me Padrino and you check out their YouTube page, you'll see a video that highlights your employees and you call it, you're calling them out by name and they're on, they're on the video and stuff. I think that's cool. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's cool. I mean, that, that is your way of saying like, Hey, my team is really important to me and I want, I want them to, you know, get some, get some recognition too. So I loved it. I saw that right away when I was doing my homework on you. So kudos oh, for that. Thanks. Yeah. I have the best team. So. Well, last question for this. If you had to tell me what your core purpose in life is professionally, and I didn't let you tie that to, to your wonderful family. So let's, let's move it away from your, your kids and husband for a second mm-hmm. and, and set that kind of over here. And I, and you had to tell me what your core purpose in life is professionally at this stage. What would that sound like? Just to, you know, leave my mark, you know, oh. whether that be, you know, if I helped families like with me, but you know, help, you know, Hispanic families um, embrace their traditions, you know, while utilizing technology. Amazing. If I may be able to make them embrace their traditions for generations to come, we're raising our ch- children and like we speak Spanish in our home. We celebrate all the traditional, you know, celebrations. And so I want to make sure that in 20 years, my kids still do this, you know, still do the traditions and they can be, you know, incorporating technology because that's what they want to use. Right. Um, but it's also just, you know, I, I, I want to be remembered. So if that's me giving legacy. back eventually, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like a legacy. I mean, you know, just I want my employees in the future jobs to be like, oh, Kim was the best boss. Like, I respect her. Like, I don't <laughs> want, I don't, I don't feel like I demand respect. I want to earn respect. And so, you know, a lot of those things, like, I just want to be remembered. You know, I want, I want for a good reason, I want to be remembered. You know what I think is cool about, the situation we're in now with the world with technology is, and I have a granddaughter, I have a year and a half old granddaughter. And I think to myself, you know, with all this technology and all these videos and we're uploading videos of whether it's family or YouTube or interviews or podcast or whatever, and all the pictures that are being stored online. The cool thing about the legacy part is, is our grandchildren are going to be able to watch all of this. And go, oh, I've wow. never thought of that. That's so cool. I just found a video of grandma from 2020. Check this out. You know, like mm-hmm. that'll be, I think that'll be cool. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I've never thought of that, but that is, yep. that is very cool. I think that'll be yeah. cool. Um, Kim, awesome story. Really. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. Yeah. Thank you for being on the Rider Flex podcast. Very inspirational. You are an inspiration to so many people um, with what you're doing and everything you've done so far. So awesome. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. The RiderFlex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. 
Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.